0: Hello again, Stackers. This is Rhett the DM for the Stackadice podcast. I am coming back with a follow-up to the pattern language episode from yesterday. I have taken the time to go through the book and apply some of the patterns to the town of Arden, and I actually worked through with the piece of paper and pencil like I had started to do in the previous episode before I realized that there was a lot to take into account. And I'm sure I still haven't done it justice, but at least, you know, I've given it some effort and we'll see what comes of it. So what I want to do is, first of all, mention that the link to the file will be in the show notes, not only for today's episode, but also in yesterday's. So if you go to either one, you'll be able to get to the linked file that includes the map. And what I'll do now is I'll go through the various aspects of the map. I've numbered certain key locations on it, and then we're going to just kind of go through and I'll explain what kinds of things I took into account pattern-wise, and maybe just a little bit of detail from the book. I won't read it, but I'll recount it about why I put these things where I did. So we'll start near the top middle of the map, and you'll see a pretty crudely drawn number one with a couple of dots on either side of what looks like a road. This is the entrance to Arden, and those dots represent, I don't know, at this point I'm, I haven't given it a lot of thought. I'd Like to think perhaps at one time Arden had a little toll booth that has perhaps since shut down, or maybe it's just a couple of little pillars or stones that were set up. And the pattern I used for this, this was something I wouldn't have thought of on my own, but one of the patterns in the book is Main Gateway, and that's pattern number 53 in the book. It looks like, if I'm remembering correctly, when you develop a settled area, you want to have places where it's clear that you're moving from everything else and into a space that has been properly designed. And so that's the purpose of this gateway. It's, it's not really a gate in the sense of something that bars the way, but it's just a visual that, hey, you are leaving the wilderness and now you are entering civilized land, the town of Arden. And so I thought that was kind of a neat touch and something I wouldn't necessarily have thought about on my own. Moving down that road and into the jumble of buildings you get to number two, which has a dotted circle around it. And that represents a general store. I really didn't do a whole lot of planning of what was in the town of Arden before we started and hadn't thought of having a store. Although I knew there were stores there. And if the players had asked for one, sure, there would have been one. But the reason it's got a circle around it is because this general store is what is called in the pattern language book, an activity node. Basically, a centralized point of activity where you can expect a lot of things to be going on. And I figured, well, general store in a very small rural town, sure, there's going to be a lot of gathering there, a lot of people coming to buy, to sell perhaps, and catch up on news, that kind of thing. So at the north end of town, we have an activity node centered on the general store. Across the street, there's some other buildings, and we'll get to those once we get to number seven. But really, I just wanted to highlight the fact that we have an activity node at the north end of the heart of Arden. So if we move a little bit further down into the oval section, this is what I had started to talk about in yesterday's episode, and that's number three. This is the village green. With the green, of course, we want to have a place where people come to gather, maybe have a little green spot in the middle of an otherwise built-up area. And we had talked yesterday about having a well at one end, at the south end, and then a statue of the great stag, or some stag, at the north end. And that was pattern number 31, Promenade. But I also took into account for designing this Accessible Greens, and that's number 60. Small Public Square, that's number 61. And around it, even though it's not quite true to the pattern in the book, looped local roads. And the purpose of those looped local roads is to minimize traffic. So if you've ever been on a maybe a street in your town that is a circle where you go in one end and you come out the other end and there's only houses back there, that's kind of what that means. This isn't quite what that had in mind, but it's enough to slow down any wheeled or horse traffic that would be going through the town at this point. Uh, you certainly couldn't be racing around the village green. The green also serves, as we have seen in episodes, as a kind of like a social hub. Before Tira, Bash, and Peter left Arden, there was a big party thrown for them out there on the green where a huge tent was set up and they had a feast and everything. And so that's where that took place, kind of there in the middle green area of number three. Moving a little bit further down to the other dotted circle area is number four, and that is the Great Stag Inn. We've been inside. We've met some of the folks there and and walked through the halls in one of our episodes. So it's not unfamiliar to us. Again, the dotted circle I have put there to represent that this is another activity node. And notice how I've split them. I don't have a bunch of activity nodes all together in the city, but I have them drawn apart so that people are drawn to different areas. And that way you're helping to spread out traffic in the town. The Great Stag Inn also serves as a street cafe, pattern number 88, a beer hall, number 90, a Traveler's Inn, number 91, and we'll get to this a little bit further down, a local town hall, number 44. Just across the street from it to the left is number 5, and this is Chiswick's office, and we might as well go ahead and get into this now. I have this marked, I use the local town hall here also the seat of government in a town when you're planning one should be fairly centrally located. And because Chiswick's home is to the south of here, number six, which we'll get to in a bit, it was a little inaccessible, out of the way, difficult for people to get to. If you don't see it, it's hard to remember that it's there, that kind of thing. And so as Thane and I were talking about this a little bit in planning through it, we thought this might be a good concession that Chiswick and Tim and have a little office closer to the center of town where Chiswick leaves in the morning and basically sets up shop in this little office close to the heart of the town. And then at the end of the day, just goes home or maybe across the street to the Great Stag Inn. So this also serves as a local town hall presence. So it's a little bit distributed, probably more than the, the authors of the book would have liked. But, you know, we're working with what we have. And I think it makes sense. Like I said, just to the south of Chiswick's office, down a road in an open space, you come to the Palisade Wall, and then inside of that, of course, is the tip of the rock where his home is, and maybe another building or two inside of that. And of course, we've spent some time there a couple times throughout the episodes that we've had. And for patterns here, of course, the local town hall, this is Chiswick's residence, To get to it, you pass through another main gateway. It's a visual reminder, and this time it is truly a gateway as it goes through the palisade wall, that this is a a place of some importance. Again, you have that reminder, I'm going through a gateway, it looks fortified, it looks secure. I know I'm going into a, a place that perhaps demands a bit more respect. And then finally, I use the high place pattern. People have a tendency to prefer high places. Think of all the scenic overlooks that you've ever been to, or climbing up towers, or going to the tops of skyscrapers and looking out over the city. We like that. We like to see just how small the world looks beneath us. And so I consider Chiswick's promontory there on the rock as an elevated place that not not only is perhaps reflective of his position, but also obviously of use in times of trouble moving back into arden going back through the palisade up the road to the left we come to more of a residential area that's number seven and so we have a lot of houses built around an open area in the middle and the patterns i used here were raised walks everything along the uh, the streets here have what amount to curbs and raised sidewalks and that keeps people out of the mud that keeps horses and and carriages and that sort of thing down in the roads where they belong. And it's just nicer. Behind all these houses, again, there's a big open area where the number seven is, and that's quiet backs. That's pattern number 59, a place to get away from the hustle and bustle of daily life, where you can just get away and maybe have a quiet place, a green place, someplace to sit and think and not be distracted. Also to the eastern end of this area where buildings are a little more gathered together you have what are called positive outdoor spaces and it's just enough to draw people in and feel it like it's closed off but they're still open and so you have these spaces that are almost like continuations of the interior of the houses that surround it but they just kind of exit out into this private green area and then the book also stresses the importance of connected buildings they seem to really like that in 1977, having a bunch of buildings that could stand individually, but they're all strung together. And I think it makes sense. They're close to the mountains here, and so huddled together houses help with thermal efficiency, that kind of thing, and maybe just makes it more comfortable to live in. Going back out onto the road and heading to the east this time to number eight, we come to the Chapel of the Healing Hand. We've talked about it, we've been inside. And we have been around it, that sort of thing. And that is holy ground, the holy ground pattern number 66 in the book. I like how it's a little bit off to itself, how it's got some space around it. And then behind it, number nine, there's a grave site, which I hadn't thought about either. But it seems to make sense. You have a bunch of people together. People are going to die. And so having a place where they can be remembered, memorialized, visited, that sort of thing. It just made sense to have something there. To the right of the chapel is number 10, and it's referring to the little footbridge that's crossing over the Rhyme Rill stream that tumbles past the village and then down the embankment. And that is pattern 64, Pools and Streams, and this one was about having ready access to flowing water, because it's just a nice feature. You have fresh water, you have the, the sound, you have cooler weather in the summertime, that sort of thing. Uh, it, it made sense. Also they were quick to point out the limitation of don't cross the water too many times. Of course the more stuff you put in a stream the more it gets jammed up and then starts to silt up and have problems and so you want to minimize the number of times you cross this. So I just had one little footbridge crossing the rhyme rail here. The path that crosses that footbridge goes on up and northeast north into what are the meadows where the various animals that the people of Arden raise, the scattered settlements, the the little farms and things out there. Certainly not everyone who calls themselves a citizen of Arden lives in Arden proper. And so you have these farms that are out just a little bit. gives it some more depth and certainly more things to think about when developing Arden as a larger region. And then there under the trees, where I have the words to the meadows, I'm assuming there's a little network of footpaths that crisscross through the trees there. And one of them goes down the slope and to the right. And so you have the path coming back out of the trees and down to number 11, which is a pond. And this was another pattern called still water, a place where it's calmer water, where people can come and bathe and and just splash around and have fun. And so I thought, huh, you know, it's next to a stream, maybe it's lower land. So when it gets rainy, or when the stream overflows its banks in the in the spring melt of snow, the people have water to come down to and swim in that's not quite as cold or as swift as that of the rhyme rail. So a lot of little things that I could take into account. I could have taken a whole lot more. And perhaps in a future Creation Corner episode I will do some more with trying to break down what the houses actually look like the pattern language book does get into the house level where you can actually get into individual rooms and maybe we could take say the great stag in and try and plot that out as a map but i just wanted to take some time to go over the map and to explain what thought went into it again this may not be optimal but it's my first attempt trying to use it as a mapping aid and so i thought yeah let's do it as a as a hands-on exercise. So again, check out the show notes for a link to the map. The link will also be in the previous episode. And I'd love to know what you think about this. Was this a helpful exercise? Have you been able to get your hands on a copy of A Pattern Language by Christopher Alexander? What do you think of the kinds of things that went into this? If you want to chat with us about it, we'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Instagram at StackOdice. You can write us by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com and again we just want to know what you think do you like the map do you like the results do you like the process we want to thank you for joining us for this special creation corner episode where we follow up on the mapping of arden and we look forward to seeing you here again next time at stack of dice